Hello, welcome to my first Let's Chat for a while. Probably because it's like the first game that I've finished for a while. So, this game's been on my mind for quite a while now. And I just had a few more things that I wanted to talk about. Now that I've been on and read people's theories and discussions and stuff, like it really got my brain going. And I just wanted to chat about it a bit more. So, I'm going to talk about my opinions about what theories I've come up with and what theories I've read and then I thought the best way to do that is just to go through the family and talk about each of their stories first and then bring up points as I go so this is going to be spoiler heavy okay just so you know I've played the whole game if you haven't played or seen the whole game stop listening and watching now okay cool The first story was Molly, okay? Now, I kind of missed the point of this one when I've gone back and read. It's so obvious, right? Nothing supernatural happened at all, okay? She was sent to bed without any food. And then what did she go and eat? Like, look at everything she ate. Like, gerbil food probably isn't bad. But she ate a tube of toothpaste... And she ate holly berries. These things are not healthy things to eat. Right? She got poisoned. <laughs> um, I guess being poisoned on top of having a wild imagination. Results in things like this. Like she was obviously already interested. In the deep sea and animals and stuff like that. So that's why she came. That's why she kind of hallucinated the things that she hallucinated. Um, and to be fair, imagine finding your kid dead and reading that story. That's terrifying. So that is what happened to Molly. Now, I came up with this theory. I don't think it's right when I've thought about it, but I thought I would share anyway, right? Basically, a lot of what happened to the Finches, most of it stemmed, not most, some of it stemmed just from bad parenting. <laughs> So, I'll point them out as I go along. Obviously, Molly is the first one. She got sent to bed without any food. She was starving. She ate everything else and poisoned herself. By accident, but it still happened. If she'd have had supper that night, it may not have happened that way, you know? So, after Molly was Barbara. Now, it wasn't exactly clear what happened to her because it was told from the perspective of a comic book. But there was things about the comic book... That confused me, like, not confused me, but, like, it was so weird that, like, in the comic book, the house was laid out exactly how it was in real life. And they knew, like, about how to get into the basement, like, that was real, how to get the key. It's like, I don't believe that the whole monster thing happened, but it's just bizarre, like, I don't know, something weird about it. So, I actually read this really cool theory. Because it did say that a boyfriend had been a suspect or something. like, And it's totally possible like some she'd maybe got killed by a boyfriend. Or there'd been an accident. Because I think I'd read that. Like, you know in the comics, someone fell over the balcony and brought it smashed. But in the actual game... It was still like it looked like it had been repaired, so maybe it was something to do with the balcony. But also, 
I read this other really cool theory that rather than the boyfriend or anything, because uh, also he went missing around the same time as what it said. Um, but the theory that I read was maybe like Walter had something to do with it. Because um, he was there in the story, wasn't he? Now, you know what? I'll get into this when I get to Walter's section. So, I'll explain that a bit more then. So yeah, Barbara's a little bit unclear. But maybe she's a young star that got into a bad relationship. Or there's other theories. So maybe that isn't totally to do with bad parenting. That's why my theory is flawed. So next was Calvin. Right, this was not long after Barbara's funeral, and he decided that he was gonna fly, so that's his choice. But on the other hand, that's swing. If you've got a kid that wants to be an astronaut, just don't put a swing on the edge of a cliff, <laughs> or any kid for that matter. I wouldn't want to swing on a swing that went over the edge of a cliff. It's just not safe. Health and safety. Honestly. <laughs> There's not really much more to Calvin's than that. I, I do want to point out that I thought that was a really cool moment though. Because when I played it and when I watched it back. It had me going like whoa. Like. <laughs> and I always talk about VR. Especially for first person games. Can you imagine that in VR? I think I would have puked. <laughs> so Walter is next right basically the theory that I read was if he did have something to do with Barbara dying right the only people that knew that he was living in a bunker hidden under the house was Edie and Dawn they were the only two people that knew like, why is that? Why so secretive, you know? And then Edie would, like, send him secret pass packages and stuff. It's it's very suspicious. On one hand, I get it from Walter's point of view, if it is just normal. But if Walter did something to Barbara, and they had to, like, hide him away, I think that's, like, a cool between-the-lines theory. Because if you think about in Barbara's story in the comic... The guy's hidden in the fridge when he jumps out at her. Now, the door to Walter's cabin thing is through the fridge. So, it's... There's just little links that I thought was really cool. And I do think it could be a possibility. But as for Walter's story himself, this kind of sums up... Well... This actually goes to another theory. It's kind of, well, the same theory really. Edie caused a lot of it, in my opinion, by like using this curse idea so much, using her imagination for these stories. It just got into the kids' heads. And like Walter truly believed that he was gonna be the victim of this curse and so he lived his life in a bunker because of it like that would probably be me it's like it's a scary thought like final destination style curse 
Of course you're going to hide away. Well, some people wouldn't. Well, I would. <laughs> no, I totally relate to what he, what he did. But in reality, that is kind of Edie's doing for bringing this whole idea of the curse into the head. I know that in the story, they, they did mention that it had gone on before in previous generations as well. But one, how much of that was made up? Because, you know, things things get, um, what's the word? It's kind of like elaborated, but that's not the word. I can't remember, but something, oh my God, what is the word? Embellished is the word. Stories get embellished over time. And you don't know, maybe at that time it was just another, you know, case of accident. Or maybe it was just regular stuff and then... When you start to believe, right, I believe, kind of, not all the time, but a lot of the time, you make your own luck, right? If you set yourself bad odds for something, you are more likely to get the bad end of that, right? It's just the way it goes. If you um, decide that you can't do something, and then you try and do it, and you don't do it, it's partly because you thought that you couldn't, but sometimes you can, you know? And if you go into something thinking that you can do it, you're more likely to be able to do it. It's kind of the same with that cursed mindset. It's like, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And then you they were just making silly mistakes. But in my opinion, a lot of it came down to the bad parenting that I'm talking about. So yeah, I found that Walter's ending was very tragic with the train. However, it was so avoidable. Now, I did read people's theories that he didn't get hit by a train, that he fell off the cliff. But I, I don't like that. I don't believe that. Like, you could clearly see the train tracks. And, like, they wrapped around the cliff. And it didn't look like he fell. It, the lights came from behind him. You could see in the lighting. Um, I'm pretty sure there was sound effects as well. Pretty certain he got hit by a train. And that's exactly what happens if you go through a tunnel where a train's gonna come and I guess he was just too naive I don't know how old he was when he went into the the thing but maybe he never learned that you shouldn't play on train tracks I don't know but my initial instinct straight away was get off the tracks you're gonna get hit by a train and if he had rushed off the tracks then he wouldn't have died it's as simple as that and that's not curse that's just bad luck and bad timing and bad judgment i think bad judgment should come at the top of that list in fact it actually makes a lot of sense about the timing because usually his alarm goes off and then while he's getting his breakfast the room shakes but that day his alarm went off and then he went straight out so the train was due it hadn't been for a while but maybe it was just getting repairs and then today was the day that it came back, you know, so it's like, it's tragic, but totally preventable. But I still liked it. Um, I liked the way it was told so very well. Because like, this was a letter that he'd written before he'd left. And it just merged really well with his exit of the tunnel. So I really liked Walter's story. I still put it a bit down to bad parenting though. They totally enabled him. They enabled his behaviour. 
Sam is next, hunting, gets hurled off the cliff by a deer. Is that a curse? Is that bad luck? Or is that just carelessness? It's kind of again, right, the bad parenting, okay? He was forcing his daughter to hunt when she didn't want to. She was much happier taking the photos. She didn't want to kill a deer. She killed it anyway. She didn't want to take a photo with the dead deer. She sat there crying over it. But he's still making her take a photo. She tries to warn him that it's still moving. And he he just dismisses her. He doesn't, you know, doesn't listen to her. And then it gets him. So, like, maybe listen to your daughter and that would never have happened. I find some bad parenting in there, to be honest. I just, yeah, I just felt sorry for Dawn having to see that and go through that. I think that's all I've got to say about that one. I, I like the photograph um, aspect, but it was the most frustrating one because I couldn't find at all what I needed to take a photograph of and I was there for ages. But I still liked, still liked how it was different from all the rest. Gregory, oh, probably the most sad one. This is the definition of bad parenting. I don't, like, I don't think anyone can argue with that. Just don't leave a one-year-old in the bathtub alone. Just doesn't make sense. I don't know how the tap actually got knocked on, because obviously the frogs weren't jumping themselves. But it could so easily happen. Like, maybe he just threw the frog. But the way they did, like, the death, that really got me. It was like... It was kind of comforting to anyone that may have lost a child, if that makes sense. It was like brilliantly done, I thought. The, you know, when he was underwater and like kind of when he was the frog, I thought it was brilliant. However, it's not like realistic. That's not how it would have been. But I guess that's the way that he was putting it across to make the wife slash ex-wife feel... A little bit better, like not feel better, but be able to live with it, I guess. Because it's kind of like, it's so preventable that it should never have happened in the first place. So how can you ever forgive yourself for that? It's really sad. Poor little Gregory. Like he didn't know what was happening. He just was, you know, playing with ducks. (laughs) It was brilliant. Just the whole imagination of it. I loved it. next was Gus again bad parenting this is why I have this argument that I really do believe it's nothing to do with a curse or at least this one literally he was outside flying a kite and a hurricane was coming and everyone just left him and forgot about him and just left him out there and he got hit by the flying debris, the tent, whatever. He should never have been out there alone flying his kite in a hurricane. You know, it, I mean, I know it was the wedding. And they'll have had a lot of other things to think about. But the way that the poem was written, kind of like Dawn kind of saw agrees with me like I don't know if that's right or not but the way it was written like how a dad was just saying like oh turn the music louder and stuff like completely ignoring this storm when really it was very serious and he just made this 
this man made tent and it seems like the whole family just makes <laughs> makes things but they don't know how to make things so that then things break and stuff like that like that's not a curse again it's just that's what happens if you make something wrong <laughs> i thought gus's story was quite ironic because Sadly, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I thought his was probably like the least memorable story of the bunch. And it's a bit ironic that he got forgotten about. I think maybe they could have delved a little bit more into his character because obviously he was very rebellious. You could see just from his picture and from his room and his stuff and him flipping his dad off and stuff. But I just... He was the most easily forgotten character to me. And he got forgotten about by everyone. So. Bit of irony I thought. I liked it. When I thought about it I was like. Oh there's a connection there. I don't know whether it's intentional. Probably not because it's not supposed to be forgettable. But that's. I liked it. I like that. Lewis. What a story. The thing with Lewis's story is I think it was hard to get the full impact just watching. I think you needed to be playing because the way that it was, that they used, right, so you were using the right stick to cut the fish working at the cannery and you were using the left stick in your imagination controlling the game that was popping up. I know at the near the beginning I was saying like oh this is tricky when I was trying to chop the fish and play the other game at the same time but it is scary how fast I got used to that by the end you are just chopping the fish mechanically like you don't even realize that you're doing it anymore it's so automatic and that is the whole point of the story it was so clever and it really does represent a, like, a lot of what so many people go through. I hope it didn't seem like I just shrugged it off. Because I really didn't. Like I relate to that more than I, like, I could let on, you know. I have spent times where I have lived in my imagination. Like sometimes daydreaming, sometimes nightdreaming, like. There was a stage in my life when it like just felt so bad that all I wanted to do was sleep all the time because dreams were the best thing that there was. And it's like, I don't really want to talk about that, but I get it. Like, And I, I hope that it didn't come across that I was like, oh, he's a stoner and stuff like that. Like, that's not what I meant, you know. I was just saying like how he'd, it started with substance abuse for him, didn't it? And then it was when he came off the substances that he realised how monotonous everything was. And it can be. like, But that's why I was so insistent on saying like you can get out of it. And what happened to him, whether he knew what he was doing or not, maybe he half knew, maybe he was so absorbed that he didn't know at all. Or maybe he totally knew and he just made himself believe that he you know he was in this world but really he knew what he was doing i don't know which of them it is either way it was like tragic and it never has to come to that 
I read a lot of people online had similar feelings to me, like it was so relatable. And just the daydreaming as a coping mechanism, I think is fine. Like, again, I don't want to say mixed with substance abuse or anything like that, it may be a different story, but for me, I think it's fine. I think it can be a productive way to spend your, your time. As long as it doesn't become like that, where you start hitting your real life so much if it ever does get to that point then that is when you have to change something you really do and you can nothing is permanent everything is temporary everything well everything except one thing so what's the point in doing the one permanent thing when everything else is temporary you might as well freaking see where things can go you know that's my views anyway like i, I don't want to get into all that but it was such a powerful scene, especially when you're playing it yourself, using your own fingers, you know, on the controllers. And how helpless it felt at the end was horrible. But you could see where it was going and there was nothing you could do about it. And I guess that's kind of true in real life as well. You, you know, the only person that can sort a person out is themselves. So I don't put this one down to bad parenting. This was his problem... It kind of, it does relate back to it in a way because I think a lot of it started when his brother went missing, if I've remembered that part of the story right. And his brother going missing could have been to do with the whole curse situation, which has come down to bad, I'm saying bad parenting, but this also extends to grandparents and great-grandparents as well. It's bad influence, you know. So I feel like he was set off on a spiral. His mum got him the job at the cannery to try and help him, but it kind of made things worse. It's just a shame, like, it's hard to pinpoint which... I don't put that down to curse at all. And I don't think anyone else would as well, especially because this seemed to have been the most relatable one for the general public. It was powerful, it was a very good piece of game making. This is one of the examples I saw a lot of people saying that like Edith Finch tells the story in a way that only could be told in video game format and that is definitely one of the examples. Probably the biggest example. So Milton, he vanished. <laughs> like we don't know what happened to Milton and I don't think that's part of a curse that does happen like as sad as it is how many times have like kids just vanished and never shown up well i don't know how many times but it does happen that's the point i'm making especially when you live on a cliff in this rickety house near the sea there's a lot of hazards and like something can happen to someone and no one would ever know and I find that a very scary thought, but it does happen and it's it's tragic and it's not really what people want in fictional stories because, you know, you got to find out what happened. But in real life, sometimes you, people never find out what happened. And that's probably one of the most scary thoughts of all. However, there is something that I heard about his story and there's more to it apparently. 
that's all. Get onto that another time. Sven, just a quick one, died building the slide. That's, I mean, that one does come down to bad parenting because if it didn't collapse on him, it would have collapsed on one of the kids. It was just not sturdy structure. Again, building things without kind of knowing that they're definitely secure and stuff like that. It's sad, obviously. No one wants an accident like that to happen, but it happened. Like, and it's not a curse. It, it happened. <laughs> it was half expected if you're going to, you know, make stuff like that. Getting nearer the end now, so... Edie, I think that what killed her was mixing a meds with her alcohol because they mentioned like don't do that but she did it anyway but it will have been intentional like she did not want to leave the house and she did not want to go home neither so it makes sense and like she basically lost everything else this wasn't long after Lewis died and she was losing Dawn and Edith and she kind of had nothing else left to live for. So, and a lot of it, not directly, was her fault for promoting this curse so much. In my opinion, I really liked Edie, don't get me wrong, but she kind of caused a lot of it herself. Like, imagine if she never brought up the idea of the curse and if everyone lived a bit of a safer life the family would be like fine maybe there would be accidents happen but not like that you know it's kind of the same thing as a dad like it's not a, if you put your house on a ship i don't think it's a curse that it gets sunk like it's a bit of a silly thing to do <laughs> you know what i mean that's what I got from the whole game, was that actually, is it a curse? Probably not. It's such a shame that we didn't get to read the rest of Edie's book. But I just kind of, obviously there's a reason for that. And I wonder if, what my interpretation is, it doesn't matter what Edie wrote, because she wrote stories. And... <laughs> again, she... Oh, what was that word that I used earlier? You know, where they, like, stretch the truth and make things more, more than what they actually were. And maybe that's what she was doing in her story as well. And by this point, Dawn had seen everything else happen around. And she probably kind of noticed, yeah, you know what, this probably isn't a curse. And this is not a healthy environment. This is not a healthy way to live. We need to get out of it. I don't want any more to do with this. Look at what it's done to my kids already. One of them's gone missing. Potentially ran away. And one of them's died from suicide. That's not cursed stuff. That's a result of the cursed stuff. Of a curse that probably never even existed. So I think the point of ripping Edie's book was like doesn't even matter what Edie's got to say about that anymore. It is time to get into real life and fix things type of thing. That's what I think anyway. So then Dawn 
got sick and died of cancer sad but like totally normal thing to happen is as sad as that is what they're saying now like one in two people will get cancer like it's a very common thing to happen and it happened you know it it wasn't cursed it was just life then finally edith See, this is where I'd hoped the game was going to turn around and make this amazing point that we'd been believing in this curse the whole time and where it was going to make the whole point of you create your own luck and that Edith was going to live and, you know, she'd cut ties with everything else. Well, not intentionally, I guess, if that had happened for her. And that she had had the, the smart enough brain to know that she was in control and like you can't control everything but you can you can be careful and you can it's not a curse <laughs> i keep saying it's not a curse it could be but i don't think so but then obviously she wanted to live as well so it seemed like she died in childbirth i would have liked it if she just survived and then she could have told stories if she wanted to and that would have proved that there wasn't a curse. But then, I understand how that couldn't happen because it defeats the whole point of the journal. At the very beginning, you are playing the sun, I think. Because you've got the flowers and you've got the journal. The thing is, she does mention at one point if it would be better to let the stories die with her. And it's a very good point. Imagine if he'd never heard these stories. He would just live his life like a totally normal person not knowing anything about the curse now obviously it's good to know about your family history he needs to know about it i totally agree however hopefully he doesn't take it literally and be like oh no i'm cursed and go and get killed as a result <laughs> so you would think if you thought so strongly that your family was cursed you would be more careful you wouldn't do half the things that they did like leaving kids unattended and building houses with a boat piled on top of another house and so you know what I mean you wouldn't do all that if you thought you were cursed and one point that I was thinking you know in Edie's room there was a newspaper article and it said there'd been a wildfire and that Edie refused to leave and then she got a bit famous for it if you thought that you were cursed and you were just going to get eaten by the wildfire like I just don't get it you would leave she probably has told so much fiction and stories about the family that she believes it herself, even if it's not entirely true. So I just want to wrap this up because I've been through all of the family members. It has taken me a little while, but I did have a lot to say. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I just love at the end of a, of a series being able to just talk it all out, get it out of my system, especially when I've been thinking about it so much. So overall for the game, I loved the creativity. It was such a creative game. I, I would love to have been able to sit in on the conversations that were being had when this game was being made. And I can just imagine that they've like, they've wrote lists of all the characters, of all the different ways that they could die assigned them to each character and like built this story and I just think it's so cool and I love that it didn't really turn supernatural unless the curse is real it didn't turn supernatural and I just think that's great 
But what I have read is their previous game, the unfinished one, has something to do with this game. That's all I'm going to say because I don't actually know myself. I kind of know a little bit, but I have this game in my backlog and I'm going to play it at some point. So we can, if you already know, then please don't tell me. And if you don't know, we can find out together, whatever. I will be playing it on the channel at some point. Now, finally, considering that the game, the subject matter was death, right? It's so depressing. How did the game end up being so, like, warm? Well, not maybe not warm, but, like, I still found it hopeful. I guess that was the point of the end, is that we should be grateful for what we've got and that we get to live it all. And I think that's, like, they did a good job of considering it was so grim. It didn't depress me. So that's just great. Right, I have to wrap it up here. So thank you for listening. And I'll see you at some point for the unfinished one. So thank you. Bye.